I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, and we'll be reading verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Is that correct? Okay. This time our brother Dean will bring us this morning's message, The Faith That Saves for Eternal Life. Good morning. Some of you um, weren't here last week, so I'd like to start and briefly mention a story that we talked about last week because it so beautifully is part of the subject that we have for today. There was a little lady in North Korea, communist North Korea. You know, that country is uh, godless. They have no time for religion. They have no no time for um, Christianity. Uh, Somehow... A single lady in North Korea was able to hear the broadcast on the radio of um, the Adventist World Radio. She listened and listened. It was in her own language, so she was able to understand the concepts of Christianity. She listened for a number of months and finally decided she wanted to give her heart to this new God that she found out about. She, um, about the same time, decided to um, try to escape North Korea, and uh, she was able to do so. The story was written by a pastor that related this story in a publication, and it's a little bit uh, confusing because the exact details are withheld so as not to, somebody couldn't track it down, but somewhere on the border between China and North Korea. And um, she, she hid out for three years with a Chinese family, The problem was she couldn't speak their language, they couldn't speak her language, so you can understand the the difficulty there. Um, She um, next um, found her way into a small Christian church in that region and went to a Friday evening Vesper service. Friday evening Vesper service, uh, the pastor who was holding the meeting noticed her there and she stayed after everybody else was gone. And he went up to her and said, as best he could under, they could understand each other, what, what are you doing here and how can I help you? He thought she was probably there for money, for perhaps a way of escape somehow, some type of um, conveyance or something of that nature. She said to him, I want to be baptized. And he it was a surprise to him. He, he had no idea that that's what she, she would ask about. She also mentioned, I want to die in the faith. I want to be baptized, and I want to die in, in the faith. Um, he told her that she'd have to have some studies, even though she'd already heard the Adventist World Radio. Um, so he studied with her for a week and uh, reviewed some of the uh, beautiful themes of salvation with her. At the end of that time, She said, I'm ready. I want to be baptized. I want to die in the faith. So in that particular small church, they actually had a bathroom with a bathtub. Would you believe that the baptism took place in that bathtub with the windows all drawn and quiet there so they wouldn't attract attention because it was um, deadly if they were to be found out. She was baptized. Then she said, it's now time for me to move on, and uh, she wanted to get into South Korea. And so she started her journey, 
and the little church there had prayer for her um, with the words in her mind, I want to be baptized and I want to die in the faith. Uh, there were eight wire fences between North Korea and South Korea and um, she successfully got to the area. She sent a, a, a telephone message back to the pastor, I'm safe so far. And a few days later, he got word from another person on the border that um, she had been caught somewhere between the first and the eighth fence, wire fence, and they had taken her into North Korea and shot her. Um, but I think this is somebody that had a faith that we can't even imagine. And I believe that on that, uh, I kind of envision Revelation 19 perhaps as a Friday night. I, I have no idea whether it is, but Friday night where Jesus calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I think if you're not sitting next to her, you might look to your right or left, and there you would find her. When the time was right, the sea parted, and God's people went through on dry land toward Canaan, and it was all by faith. The walls fell down at Jericho. There were no guns or cannon fire, and it was all by faith. When the lions went hungry in front of Daniel, it was all by faith that saved Daniel, that man of God. When the sun stood still that day in the Old Testament time, the people of God were saved by their faith in Joshua 10. The waves were calmed that day on Lake Galilee, and the disciples were saved by their shaky faith. The stone was rolled away that early morning, and the Lord of glory came forth by faith from his eternal Father. The day when the clouds were parted and the Lord ascended to his Father's throne, it was by faith that he conquered and went to the throne room of the universe to intercede for us as he is doing now. And when the time is right, the King of Kings will return to take his beloved children home. And this will all be by faith. Today I would like to look again at faith, as we did last week, not as a word, but as a dynamic relationship with Jesus, our Savior. Jesus told us when on earth, the concept, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Paul tells us, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. These two comments from the Bible clearly should get our attention. I believe Jesus is saying that if we do not find the kind of faith he is speaking of, we will have no part with him in the eternal kingdom. We long for Jesus to come back to take us home, but it is imperative that we have some, have more than a knowledge of him. We must know him personally, and being born again is our ticket, if you will, into the kingdom of God at the end of this earth. So this morning we will strive to dive deep into scripture to find truth there and to guide us on the pathway to his kingdom. We will touch down in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Along the way, a few stories as well. We start with a story you have heard countless times, but perhaps today from a different emphasis. Hast thou considered my servant Job, says scripture, that there is none like him in all the earth. 
a perfect and an upright man. So said the Lord. Then a conversation between God and Satan took place. Satan answers back, he serves you because you have given him so many things. Oh, is that right, says God? Go ahead and afflict him, but you can't touch his life. Then via Satan, Job lost everything except his wife, and all his cattle and his children and his house were gone. Very interesting reading in the first chapter of Job. Job's response, listen to these amazing words. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We begin to get a glimpse into this man with those words. A man of faith, to be sure. Then Job is afflicted with painful boils from head to toe. But in all this, says the Bible, Job did not sin against God. The Bible says in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. It's from chapter 2. In chapter 3, it takes a turn. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day that he was born. Let the day perish when I was born, says Job. And the night when it was said there is a man-child conceived. Why did I not die in the womb? says Job. <laughs> then we take a turn again in chapter 13. And here are some of the greatest words in all of Scripture. I ask you, how can anyone utter these words? How can we even think of words like this? After all Job had been through and sitting out on a pile of ashes with boils from head to foot and agony day and night, he says this in chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him? What kind of faith is this? It is certainly a redeeming faith, a faith of a personal relationship with God. Then Job says more in chapter 19. For I know... I love these words. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand upon the earth in the latter day, and mine eyes shall behold. What a testimony of faith. The story is not over yet. The Lord and Job had a conversation. Verse 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? How would, how would you feel to be, that be said to you? Who are you, Job? What are you doing? You're answering with words, but without any knowledge? <laughs> Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Whereupon are the foundations fastened? <laughs> and he goes on for verse after verse after verse, letting Job know that he was God. Job was a created being. Job answers some amazing words. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Reminds us of Paul saying, I am the chief of sinners. Now Job says some of the most profound words in all of scripture. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, says Job. But now mine eyes have seen thee. I've heard of thee before. But now mine eyes have seen. We come next to the New Testament where we find 249 references 
using the word faith in the New Testament, as we will see this is a vital truth for our salvation. We're all on the road to the kingdom of God, and Jesus tells us, as we've just learned, without faith it is impossible to please him. These are words from Scripture, impossible to please God. The implication is, as we've said, we will not be in his kingdom unless we understand and accept if we do not have faith. So then we must define faith, and Paul, I think, does it the best. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is a profound statement, and I have found that I cannot plumb the depths of this. I've tried, but it eludes me. What does this mean in the fullest sense? The best I can come up with is the truth from Scripture, that at the end of time, just before Jesus comes back, we cannot go by our feelings. We must go by what God's Word says. We cannot trust our eyes or our senses, but we must rely completely on the things of Scripture. Of the 249 references to faith in the New Testament, we have time for only a few. The church should be a church at study, should it not, in God's Word? This morning, then, let us try to carry that out. We start off with the eternal truth that the just shall live by faith. The Bible is clear in three different places. We first find this stated clearly in Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. Next in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Finally in Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. Apparently God wanted us to understand this very clearly. The Bible is clear. There is only one way into the kingdom of God. We live on this earth by faith in the Son of God. We ascend into the clouds at his second coming and go to heaven by faith. We live eternally by faith in God. We wear the righteous robe of Christ's righteousness around us by faith in God. We come to a startling statement next in Romans 14:23, where we are told, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Very clear. This begins to put this subject in clearer focus. Whatever is not of faith is sin. It is simple, says Jesus, if you do not have faith in me, it is sin. We have a great text in Romans 3.25, a reference to the cross of Christ through faith in his blood. And the next word Paul says, for the remission of sins. The way our sins are forgiven is through our faith in his blood and the cross. So we, have, we can have faith that our sins are forgiven by faith in Jesus on that cross. There are many great invitations in Scripture, in the text and the parable of Jesus, but here is one pinnacle text to remember in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Does this tell you and me it is nothing of me, nothing in me, nothing I've done, nothing I can do? It is all of Jesus, past, present, and future. We go to Scripture next, Matthew 15, verse 21. And Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she crieth after us. 
They didn't have much time for her. But he answered her not a word. Do you think Jesus was ignoring her? (laughs) I think Jesus knew the end from the beginning. And I think he wanted to carry on the conversation just a little longer. He knew what was going to happen. The disciples didn't know. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Can you see your Lord ignoring that request? Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Now here, on a superficial level, is a very harsh statement from, from Jesus. But commentaries and theologians tell us that was a common usage of a term in those days for people that were, in their society, a little lower caste. Jesus was just using the common parlance. But again, Jesus knew the end of the story. At this point, the disciples and and the lady did not know the end of the story. And she saith, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. What an insight. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, Great is what? Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This is the same mouth that spoke the worlds into existence, as we know from Genesis 1. He's now healing. The same mind and mouth that rose Lazarus to life. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We next stop in Acts in the New Testament. We find a man mentioned by name of Stephen. The Bible says that he was a man of faith and filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 of chapter 6 says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Satan began to stir up the people so much that they arranged for a false witness to to testify against him. Here he was in the prime of his life and in his relationship with Jesus. And his life is going to be threatened very shortly. He is taken before the religious authorities. There is nothing worse than religion gone wrong. When you stoop to false witness against another Christian, it is about the lowest. Then the next 51 verses of Scripture are some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture, a powerful sermon, starting in chapter 7, verses 2 to 53, is this sermon of Stephen. They were plotting to kill him. His face began to shine like an angel, says Scripture. He was one of four people in Scripture to see Jesus standing up in the throne of the universe. Isaiah 6, Saul on the road to Damascus, John in Revelation, and now we have Stephen. He was about to be killed, but what a privilege to be one of only four people in Scripture that see God in the heavens. And they turned on him like wild beasts and stoned him to death. Just before he died, his face was not dimmed. He had a hold on Jesus and would not let go. Chapter 7, verse 55 and 56. And he began 
being full of the Holy Ghost, looked steadfastly into the heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What kind of faith is that? Would that be the same faith as the Korean lady? This reminds me of that Old Testament man named Job. Also reminds me of Moses risking his life standing before Pharaoh and later on before the children of Israel when they were ready to stone him. The ultimate example is Jesus, our Lord, being drugged through the streets of Jerusalem, old Via Dolorosa, on his way to the cross, dying the second death for you and for me so that we do not have to die that second death and thereby giving us eternity. This is the ultimate faith. And then the cry from Jesus, it is finished. It is finished. You cannot add anything to salvation. I've done it all. The Bible clearly tells us that we must obtain the faith of Jesus. It is his faith he gives us. Oh, what a trade. Faith of Jesus for my sin. A story a more modern story from the 1700s. William Cowper, he was born in 1700s. He was a friend of John Newton later in life. He was a man that was troubled very severely with a mental illness. He had depression of a severe degree, perhaps even a bipolar illness. Um, he fell in love with his cousin at one point. Her father stopped the relationship due to his mental instability. Afterward, he fell into a deep depression. After several suicide attempts, he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital of the day. After this, he moved to a different city. He had a number of tragedies. He met a girl and became engaged. And a few days before their wedding, they went off and riding horses along the countryside on the bank of a river. Um, just a few days before they were to, to be married, the girl with him riding on a horse fell off the river, fell off the horse into a raging river and drowned and died. And he became extremely de depressed, again tried to kill himself. Later on, um, he came out of his depression, moved and again, met another girl, beautiful girl, was engaged to her. A few days before the wedding, she developed a very severe illness, developed pneumonia. In those days, not much treatment available. After lingering a few weeks, she died close to her wedding day that would have been. Along the way, suicide attempts, a long series of mental breakdowns, they were generally characterized by severe religious gloom and a sense that he was irrevocably damned. That was his problem. From this troubled mind came many hymns, such as God Moves in Mysterious Ways. Another one very familiar to you, Oh, for a Closer Walk with Thee. William Cowper wrote that one. But most of all, the hymn that we love, There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. There's a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. 
And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Thou dying lamb, thy precious blood, shall never lose its power. Till all the ransomed church of God are saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till the day I die. Lord, I believe that thou hast prepared unworthy though I be for me a blood-bought free reward, a golden harp for me. There, in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing the power to save when the poor, lisping, stammering tongue is ransomed from the grave should I die before you come. Jesus tells us, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? Luke 18.8. You know, this is a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. Sadly, no, he will not, except for a few of his redeemed. The world will be like it was in the days of Noah. Jesus himself said that. John, the beloved disciple, tells us, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. What's next? Even our faith. 1 John 5, 4. We find an answer to the question of how do we get this faith. It comes from Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's our marching orders. Study my word, says Jesus. Study the Bible I have left for you. Who is the author of this faith? Hebrews 12:2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of, God, of the throne of God. We close with the words from that disciple who made so many mistakes, but in the end of his life, he insisted on being crucified upside down because he was so unworthy. He says, I am not worthy to be crucified as my Lord was. And he tells us that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that perisheth. That's a hard one for us, isn't it? The trial of our faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes. And finally, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's what it's all about. It's the salvation of our souls by hanging on to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do we have? I give my sin to him. He gives me his robe of righteousness. And then I would rather die than sin. And I go home with my friend Jesus forevermore. Oh, Father in heaven, may we understand what this means, the faith of Jesus, the faith we must have to enter the kingdom of God and to sit at the banquet table. 
and to go over by the river and eat from the tree of life and then go up a ways and look on the sea of glass. Help us, Lord, today, every day that we live, focus on these things. And by beholding, may we become changed. In Jesus' name, amen.